0: Good morning Vic, I'm interviewing you in the beautiful country of South Africa and I'd like to talk to you about your career, your longevity and in fact it's your life in cricket, you've had a wonderful
1: career Well it is weird and you wouldn't have predicted it but by hook or by crook, it's a bit of a con really since about the mid 70s or late 70s my job has either been playing cricket, which, you know, is full of ups and downs, but a great privilege to be able to do, and very exciting when it works, and then after that, I've been writing about it, and sometimes talking about it, so, yeah, I must love this game, <laughs> um, uh, and I'm lucky to have, you know, earned a living alongside it, all from it.
0: Well, absolutely, it's been a a tremendous journey. But if we go back to the start, a real Somerset boy, born in Somerset, schooled?
1: Well, I was a farmer's son from Somerset, South Somerset, about six or seven miles from where, unbeknown to me, young Ian was growing up in Yeovil. I I ended up going to school in the end, uh, in Devon, actually, uh, a place called Blundells, where Dom Bess uh, came from, and one or two others, Jerry Lloyd's. And,
0: Good cricketing pedigree, uh,
1: uh, sort of, yeah. Uh, so it's all West Country, um, as I say. Somerset boy. I've actually lived in Devon, just crept a little bit westward for the last thirty or forty years. I don't know if they call me a Devonian now. I doubt it. Um, but definitely, I uh, you know, reluctantly do I drift. East of Bristol, or indeed Taunton, for that matter.
0: So, before going to Blundell's, you must have had a bit of creeping pedigree. Was that your father? Was it the farming community? Well, How did that work then? Uh,
1: I I can remember. I can remember the first year where I was really aware of cricket, which is a long time ago. <laughs> I was six, and it was, it was 1961, and it was the Ashes wow. tour, and wow. it was Richie Benno as captain. I am only six at the time, yeah. But that's the first time I am aware of anything, and I could almost. Taught you through the Aussie lineup and more or less the England lineup in that series. And I blanked before that. And we used to play a bit. My dad would bowl at me, and i got an older brother. King cricketer? Uh, village cricketer, yeah. Smashed, you know, 6-4 out, I think. I've seen the scorecards. Uh, and my brother would bowl a little, who's much older than me, would bowl a bit. And one of our tractor driver would bowl at us. <laughs> and again, too, if he had time, he was quite a good cricketer, so I liked him. Um, so, as... From six onwards, I remember loving the game. We had someone down the road who gave me my first wisdom, which was the 1962 wisdom for the 1961 season, and she gave me a wisdom for several years, so that kind of reinforced it. So as long as I remember, I I sort of somehow got fascinated by it, and um, I suppose I still am.
0: It's interesting that you Mm. brought up at the age of six and Richie Mm -hmm. Beno, and then a neighbour gave you the wisdom. Mm-hmm. Gosh, what we would do for that today to ha- make that kind of impression on the next generation, yeah, wouldn't we?
1: I guess so. I mean, I think there weren't so many alternatives, I suppose, entertainments or, you know, things to get excited about. You know, I don't know, you're quite old, Don, but not quite as old as me. That ridiculous sort of morning ritual of getting the paper. And you dive into the cricket scoreboards, which would dominate one one side of the paper, and you'd check. I mean, I'd be checking for Somerset, no doubt. You might be checking for Essex, for, you know. Has, has Roy Virgin got any? Has Merv Kitchen got any today? He's yeah, due. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. Uh, and uh, has
0: we all their autographs.
1: Yeah, did you? Yeah. Um, so I'd have been doing that, and I remember going, oh, on this, we went Somerset have a great parallel with Essex in that we played for years and years and years without winning anything. Uh, but I remember my dad taking me up to London, which was quite a big thing, to go and watch the Gillette Cup final of 1967 when we played Kent. Uh, and we lost. But it was a fantastic occasion to go to the Lords. I was probably 12 then. Mm-hmm. So I'd always kept an you know, keep an eye on the Somerset team. And then going on to the parallel, there is a parallel with Essex that comes a bit later, which is, well, it's 1979, really. Uh, both of us are good teams before that, but in 1979, uh, Essex are maturing. Essex go on to win two titles, the Championship and B&H. the Bench- B&H Cup, which we... Yeah, well, we would have had to, we 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 got ourselves thrown out of the B and H Cup that year when we declared at one for naught. I don't know if you remember that. No, so,
0: I don't. Pray tell.
1: Well, we're good sides then, and we're desperate to win. Like Essex were, win something, anything. You must remember this we we played es- we played Worcestershire, Somerset versus Worcestershire in the last zonal match of a B and H game, the competition. And it rained on the first day, and it was all wet and horrible. And someone worked out that if we declared, one for naught, as it happened, it was impossible, we were atop the zonal lee, it was impossible for anyone to go past us because of the weird system of, you know, ratio of balls, bowled run rates or something. So blow me down, dear old Brian Rose, who was our captain, after brief discussions, he declared in this match, one for naught. <laughs> Off he came. <laughs> we went out. We bowled ten balls. They got them.
0: <laughs> oh really? Uh,
1: and theoretically, we were still top of the group and would have gone into the quarterfinals. But as it happened, uh, after much anguish and debate, we were thrown out the competition.
0: Gosh, so did that require a couple of gin and tonics with the <laughs> old? T- it would have been the old TCCB.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Rosie, I mean, dear, who's now our president at Somerset and has been a fantastic surf to Somerset cricket, he, he rang up Lords, Donald Carr was in charge, of TCCB who probably nearly swallowed his pipe. And he sort of said, well, I don't think it's a very good idea, but I can't see anything that says it's against the rules. There was nothing in the minutiae. <laughs> no. So he did take that precaution, but it wasn't sufficient. Anyway, we we, uh, we were thrown out. There was a vote. There was a vote amongst the counties about what should happen to us. Uh, and it was lost 17 to 1. Understandably. But the one was not Somerset, it was Derbyshire <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> who supported us for some reason. Anyway, yeah. that's but that was an indication of how desperate yeah, we yeah. were to yeah. win something. Yeah uh, in seventy nine. And Essex would have felt the same. And Glory be in nineteen seventy nine, as you say, Essex won the championship B&H. the B and H. The B and H. We won the Gillette Cup was Nat West final the Lords Final. It would have been at- the
0: Gillette, wouldn't it? Those days. Yeah,
1: probably, and then we won the John Player League on the last day, having the previous summer played in the Gillette Cup final, lost it to Sussex, played in the last match at Taunton, needing to win John Player League against Essex. Oh. And we lost by three. Three Uh, runs? Yeah, yeah, always just behind me. Do you
0: remember that game?
1: Well, I remembered actually not playing in it because i played in the Lord's final. They made me 12th man for that one. So I remember watching it in agony, really. When you can't do a thing. No, uh, watching it up on the top of the old indoor school roof. And we were batting last. And anyway, we failed by about two or three runs to win. Um, So we were just devastated that year. And then the following year, as I say, Essex and Somerset. Did a clean sweep, rather like they did um, this year, Yeah, in 2019. The yeah. I mean, the Essex won two, there was only three to win. Yes. Essex won two, and Somerset won the the, the last Lords final.
0: The Royal London. Yeah. You, you've skipped forward there quite yeah, a sorry, period I, of time. No, no, that's fine. And you mentioned Brian. Of course, Brian Rose was one of your captains. Yeah, yeah. And there was another, <laughs> another Brian called
1: Brian Close. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Formidable man. Oh, formidable, wonderful man, <laughs> hilarious man, but mad you, man. But you
0: were a youngster, and yeah, a real youngster.
1: Well, yeah. He, I mean, there was this myth. He'd come to Somerset in 1970, 71, having been you know, controversially sacked by Yorkshire. Uh, um, he would stay with us for six or seven years, during which time he'd get recalled to the England side in 1976 at the age of 45... Playing against the West Indies, Michael Holding, Wayne Daniel getting absolutely pummeled alongside John Edridge at Old Trafford. I mean, he was a larger-than-life character. He had more self-belief than any cricketer I've come across. He, mm. thought, he, he said, and the the nearest he got to sort of humility was he was Muhammad Ali was knocking, you know, was around and he and he said, and this was quite humble by his standards. He said, I don't think he beat. I don't think I'd beat him. <laughs> But he wouldn't knock me down. <laughs> <laughs> really? uh, and there he was. He was at forward short leg. Uh, when he got dropped by England that time in 76, having played three tests, he was convinced that Greggy, he was the captain, got him dropped because Gray was struggling a bit and he was a bit worried that Closey was going to take over. That was Closey's theory, so I'd better get rid of him. Oh, very... And he'd also say, he'd come back and he, he, he'd fielded at forward short leg, of course, where he spent all his life for England And he'd come back and tell us and say, they all kept looking at me, so I put them in right place.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Tactically, very good. Obviously, he was a great leader.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, his example was fantastic uh, for sheer bravery. I mean, 45 going out and facing those West Indians and, you know, relishing it. Really disappointed when he got dropped. Yeah. (laughs) so he was sort of unconventional. He was better in championship games at driving a victory. He, got a bit, he wasn't so good at the one-day stuff. He didn't like the one-day stuff initially. Um, but it's mostly a sheer example. But he had a sort of nouse to do the odd crazy thing. And somehow, with closely it would work. It would work, Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you were to talk to Viv or Ian... About Closie, and they would just sing his praises without any hesitation at all. That's right. Viv just admired his bravery in those matches uh, against the West Indies. I think sometimes Viv was at forward short leg, and Closie was getting pummeled and pummeled and pummeled. But he, Viv didn't want his rest of his team to hear him being a bit sympathetic, so he'd whisper to him, You're right, Cap, you're right, you're right. He'd just been another one in the root cage. and Closie told him where to go (laughs) but he really admired more than anything the sheer bravery of Close and Ian likewise although he never gave the impression of listening very hard they had the odd cricketing sort of explosion Um, I think Ian actually listened to him and if you ask Ian about Closie he was full of admiration he was. Um, Very much
0: a father figure,
1: he Yeah, right? yeah, well, he was. Uh, uh, he was also friends with his wife's family at the time. But he was. Uh, he, I mean, I, you know, I'm just trying to remember. There was one, you know, basic explosion, I remember. And he closely timed it perfectly, where Ian was, you know, 20. Beautiful athlete. Brilliant piece of fielding of his own bowling. Batsman stranded. He could have trotted up and removed the bail. Ian of course picked it up and hurled <laughs> it from seven yards <laughs> and smashed the stumps so he's out but it's a foolish thing to do and closely I mean it's a perfect time to lace into him closely laced into him what are you doing <laughs> well, I don't. Suppose. Ian pretended not to listen but especially, I think he might have done so I mean but he was his sheer example and he was not he was a selfless cricketer too uh, he won't worry about averages and stuff like that um, I mean <laughs> he was also large we we laughed at him some of the time but but we all come to finish we really respected him and um, recognized that we were lucky to play with him he was a
0: great cricketing legend
1: Close. yeah yeah i mean he played in 19 he played for england in 1949 and in 1976 yeah. <laughs> incredible
0: amazing amazing so he was a great leader as you, yeah, you've yeah. highlighted you also played with another leader he's now the leader
1: of Pakistan, oh, yes. the yeah.
0: Prime Minister, Imran Khan. Yeah, a you, little you, bit. You enjoyed him at...
1: At, at Oxford. At, yeah. I mean, only fleetingly, to be honest. He, he was at Oxford um, in my first year as a student there. And I was there with Chris Tavray and came mm-hmm. up at the same time. Uh, and he was his last year. And he, you know, he actually, in your last year, very often you, you didn't play so much. So he um, played a few games at the start of the season, one or two, and then he came back after he did his exams. You know, went off and he got his exams. Um, So I only played a few games with him, and he was just starting to be quick. Not, you know, he got quicker after that, but he just realised, I think that he he had a spell at
0: Worcester, didn't he?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He went to school. Really Worcester, great. Yeah, he went to school at Worcester. He played for Worcester, and then of course he went down to Sussex. Mm. And there was Imran and Larue. In those days, as you'll remember, you kind of go through the counties and think, oh, Sussex. Oh, it's Imran. Sorry, oh, it's Worcester Clark. Hampshire. <laughs> uh, it's, it's either Andy Roberts or Malcolm Marshall. Courtney's, up, you know, you—you—it it, was, it was in some ways it was a pleasure to play against Essex, even though they were a very right. good team. Because, well, they had Keith Boyce when I first played against yeah. them, but they had great bowlers, but they didn't necessarily scare the living daylights like out of you. Yeah.
0: They lulled you into a false uh, well, sense yeah, of yeah. security.
1: Yeah, yeah, you did actually. That's—I mean—it's a serious point. You yeah. were good. They—I mean—that Essex side, you know, the Fletchers side. They were hilarious, as you know, you know, whether it's Raymond... Ackfield, JK...
0: Brian Hardy. Brian Hardy. They
1: were hilarious to play against. Both loved playing against them. He could be very funny too. But where they were brilliant is that they could be very funny, um, full of, you know, laughter and jokes and japes and all that, and yet quite ruthless at the same time on the field. Whereas particularly Beefy, we used to go and play them, and Beefy loved the whole banter, but he wasn't quite so good at doing both at the same time, As Essex were brilliant at that. So they'd kind of lull you a bit, and with Fletch there seemingly sort of bewildered, but letting them all have their head and be their own personalities. They were, they were great fun to play with. Oh, thank you. Mm.
0: At that time in your career, there were lots of quality spinners about. I mean, let's just remind ourselves, you took Mm. 859 first-class wickets at just over 33. You also batted well and... uh, Accumulated 12,500 runs at 30. So you were a genuine all-rounder that scored five centuries. Mm-hmm. But your sp- spin bowling was your forte. And if I just throw a few names at you, and of course I'm sort of comparing mm-hmm. yesteryear mm-hmm. to today, there was East, Ackfield and John Charles at Essex, Swarbrook and Miller, Embry, Edmonds, Middlesex, Hemmings and Af- Afford at Notts, Ontong and Still at Glamorgan, Cowley and Maru at Hampshire, Pocock around, Norman Gifford around at Worcester, Tipak Patel, Simmons, everyone had two. And to be honest, quite a lot of those cricketers, to, uh, spinners, played for England. Mm-hmm. We don't have that luxury. Well, we do.
1: No, we don't. Um, for, I'd say, a variety of reasons. Obviously, the Championship went through the whole season. Mm. Uh, and if you look through the sides that won the Championship, which didn't include Somerset, they nearly always had Essex, as you mentioned, East and Actfield in the early success, and then... People Charles such. and Such. Yeah, and they recognised that at some point in the season you needed your spinners to win you four or five games, Southend or wherever. Well, you,
0: you say that. <laughs> we always felt that our festival mm. wickets and weeks... Yeah, yeah. It was slightly easier to achieve in a result, yeah, yeah. as opposed to a he- headquarters, yeah, yeah. and it probably helped us quite a lot. Well, yeah, but champions.
1: you still needed, and and but it also reflects. You know, if you contrast today, you've got we'll play seven seven first class rounds of first class cricket bef- way before the end of May next summer. There'll be a whole batch at the end of the season traditionally. That's the time when the seam has come into play. You know, it doesn't matter how hard you try. Come April the 15th, chances are it's going to zip around off the seam. So spinners become redundant. Uh, and it can apply right at the end of season when it's you know, dewy and damp and all that stuff. Uh, and then, the, I mean, I've now put my somerset out and they've, 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 <laughs> recently they've taken a punt on getting pitches to turn and they've got a bit of flack for it. Who's bowling for England? Two
0: Somerset spinners. Well, two
1: Somerset... Don Bess is a novice. He's 22. He's barely played, but he has had a chance to play because their pitches are turning. Jack Leach, the same. In the same way that our previous little fund of spinners, Graeme Swan, Monty Panesar, played at Northampton, where the pitches were allowed to turn. So unless you get a variety of pitches, they don't all have to turn, but if you get you know, pitches where there is some hope for the spinners, you're not going to get many to choose from, and that's where we are at the moment. We've got two Somerset spinners, basically, in the England squad, one of whom, as I say, is a great little cricketer, Don But Tenacious. Tenacious, he's up for it, he, he loves the challenge, he's got a terrific attitude, but he's got... No real sort of foundation yet. He's, he's learning as he's going. Mm. And he's up for it. But, I mean, he's only there because he's, he's been allowed to play a few games.
0: But very different to your upbringing, because when mm. the county championship was the 17 teams... Yeah, yeah. OK, you might have played 24. It was probably slightly imbalanced yeah, yeah. or not necessarily equal. But you would have had games where, OK, look, we're not going to win this we're probably not going to lose this so we can introduce Fick and give him a long opportunity yeah, to bowl yeah. Yeah. which probably doesn't happen because everything is on every game yeah, we yeah. only play 14 yeah, which yeah. is very different in In your era they played 24 or even more um, so the, the opportunities not just not just technically in the middle mm. of the season okay, even at the end and the front end of the season those opportunities are not
1: there as much well that might be true but in a sense, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing in that we did play so many games when you were playing. So it did take out a little bit of the edginess that both sides would sort of might either try contrive a finish or settle for a draw. I always remember playing against Notts, uh, probably at Trent Bridge, and it was the third day. Uh, and we were probably batting in the third innings... And it wasn't clear what was going to happen. We were probably able to get a reasonable score, but I remember Hadley was playing, and you could see Clive Rice make a decision, probably alongside Hadley. They're playing the next day not, on probably a fresh pitch somewhere. They wanted Hadley fresh. So on the third day against Somerset, they took a choice to say, well, the odds are we probably won't win this game, so we're not going to bowl, Richard which is not necessarily a good thing for the competition. So, I mean, I take your point. There were times, there was more space to learn. Uh, But, you know, the downside is that there would be some relatively uncompetitive cricket as a a result. So I, I wouldn't, I don't quibble about that. But, I mean, I know that I bowled, and like most of the spinners, most seasons I bowled 800 overs in the championship. And you know you would have bowled six or seven hundred overs in the championship, or whatever, and that does help. <laughs> you do you bowl on good wickets, i.e., you know batsman-friendly wickets, which you've got to be able to learn to do uh, at Test level. Uh, and sometimes you get a chance to bowl on, on turning pitches. But if you bowled eight hundred overs, chances are you're going to get better.
0: You played for twenty-four seasons. That is a no. Great... Didn't how long was it?
1: 75, more like 15 14, 15
0: seasons Um, which is a a very, very fine career taking the 859 wickets Mm. and in those sort of 14, 15 years you must have seen a, a substantial change in the game was it probably cricketers in your early days and then the latter stages we were becoming a little bit more
1: athletes yeah, I'm not sure I quite made that transition, <laughs> but the, the, that that was the that was the the path. Yes, um, but I'm not even sure by the end of the 80s the emphasis was that great. I mean, when we were at, when I was at Somerset in the early 80s, in a quite a revolutionary way, you might remember him we signed up Dennis Waite. I remember, Do you remember the West Indies. The West Indies coach. Tank. He's a little Aussie. Yeah. It was, it's a nice story that he... Built he,
0: like a tank.
1: Yeah, but only about five foot three. Yeah. But you wouldn't want to cross him, I could tell you. Yeah. But he had come into the game via Kerry Packer. Yeah. He'd been given to the West Indies because Kerry Packer was insisting they're all going to be fitness fiddles. Whether they liked him or not, they had to have Dennis Waite as their physio stroke trainer. And then the West Indies thought so much of him that when Packer finished, they signed him up to work as an employee of the West Mm -hmm. Indies. And then we signed him for two or three years. Not that he made us super fit, but he was quite good at keeping people away from injury. Uh, And I think, I mean, the cynical view was he was signed to try and get Viv, Both and Joel at the ground on time. (laughs) Uh, But actually he was better than that. He he was very good. So we, and then we'd have all these slow stretches. We did all this, which at the time was unusual. So we'd turn up on a Sunday and then you'd see the Somerset team, unusually, doing a little gentle lap of the ground, and then they go into these sort of statuesque stretches that Dennis was a great advocate of, slow stretching of the muscles, which initially we thought, well, we look ridiculous. We get all these strange looks. Um, however, the, your general point is good. They are so much fitter now. Yeah. You watch, you know, Stokes and Butler train, you almost did give yeah. yourself a break. <laughs> but... Yeah, no,
0: absolutely, they do. So, with your career... At Somerset, perhaps at the twilight, you became captain just for the single season. Was there a a, a lucrative offer in in journalism
1: (laughs) pending? Well, yeah, I took over in 88. I mean, the frustrating thing for me, in a way, was I captained Somerset really quite frequently through the 80s, but always as a stopgap vice-captain, which is no good at all, but I did. And then I was captain for a year and a bit just at the end. Um, and then I would have liked to have done a bit more because I, I quite enjoyed that that challenge. Um, although, as we know, it's a damn difficult job in those days, especially because the captain ran everything. Um, but then an the observer came calling and said, do you want to come and work as our correspondent, which is a great opportunity. And I, I said, mm, can't do another year, can I? They said, no, no, we can't. They were very polite, but we can't. We, it's now, we can't hold it. So that triggered. I, mean, I don't regret it, of course, because I was about thirty-four at the time, yeah. and you know, as a cricketer, I probably peaked. <laughs> um, well, Pete's um, playing
0: <laughs> uh, Test cricket for England, and as I say, uh, <laughs> and also your one-day career, you still—we you think—you've still got a little record in well, on your know. CV. I, <laughs> I've well, got to say,
1: five for twenty five for twenty against
0: New Zealand <laughs> yes. in a in an ODI. And
1: First p- five, actually. Was it? Well, a couple of crows. And I don't think any other spinner has beaten it to <laughs> no, date. Maybe not. It was certainly the record for a while. And I can tell you exactly when it was broken. Not by a spinner. It was broken. You would get, take you a while to get this, but I'll tell you. It was broken by Mark Elam in Zimbabwe. On a tour I was could have covered, but I didn't cover it. And he got... I can't remember if he got five or six. But he... He might got five even more cheaply than five for 20 in Zimbabwe. I wasn't covering it. And then I got rung up by the press call to to make a you know, comment. comment. And the only comment... Well, I tried to be gracious, of course, but I did have to note that he got five in the match, all LBW. Did he? <laughs> did he? Did he? <laughs> but um, they weren't the first five. Oh, no, I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> no, that's even more uh, special. Well, my other... I'm going to boast now that my other... Um, um, unusual achievement is that I've got a Sheffield Shield winner's medal.
0: Well I was going to come on it's to that because I'm proud of that one <laughs> You haven't got a championship winning
1: medal No. <laughs> so I can't
0: compare them but having had one season out at Western Australia winning the Shield, yeah, yeah.
1: tell us what that was like Well it was, in some ways it was the best cricket i played outside of Was it a good side? Fight. It was a good side uh, the Shield was very competitive because in those days... Four, four days. It, it was obviously four days and a bit, you know, more parallels with how we play our championship cricket now. None of that coasting during the season, looking forward to the next game, which is happening tomorrow. So it was really sort of blood and thunder, you know, no letting up. So that was interesting and more time to practice, obviously, because you only played ten...
0: Well, I was going to ask you that. Did you enjoy not playing as yeah, much and yeah, having practice so. as opposed to being on the county cricket treadmill yeah. in this
1: country? Well, I did, actually. I, you enjoyed I mean, the I think, rest? I, yeah, I always used to say that I thought we played too much because, you know, you become like an automaton, and you were know, just going through the motions or you. it was a test of stamina more than anything playing championship cricket, you know, to keep going through August without going mad. <laughs> um But in West Australia, the the games were very competitive. The difference was, though, that they didn't have, you know, as we were lucky in our time, to play, in hindsight, against all the greatest cricketers in the world. All the West Indians were there and, and from elsewhere. So that didn't apply in Australia because I was an overseas player. Richard Ellison yeah. was an overseas player for Tasmania, yes. uh, and that was about it. Yes. The following year, Beefy played for Queensland. Queensland.
0: Yeah, I remember that.
1: So you didn't have those really great cricketers playing, but you had yeah no, a very no, no. competitive sort of set. I, I remember
0: you uh, playing out there, and I remember you winning the yeah. Sheffield well, Shield. It was a good season. Who was, was
1: captain? Graham Wood.
0: Yeah, yeah, the other
1: bat. Yeah, and well, he was now he was down the order, but Tom Moody was playing. Yeah, just a young Tom Moody. uh, We had lots of left out. Bruce Reed. Yeah. chap called Chris Matthews who played a couple tests that summer. Blonde lad. Yeah. um, and then the Ken McClay, or little weight swingers, Somerset. somerset
0: he did, yes. Uh,
1: and another. We had at one point. We'd have three left armers, which yeah. theoretically would be perfect for an osprey. In
0: fact, I was about to say that <laughs> they're probably the oldest, the oldest
1: tactic in the book. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Left armers, off spinner, into their rough,
1: yeah. jobs The good. only problem is that it was the pitch at the whacker is so, so hard, hard yeah. that they, yeah. don't, they create a little bit of rough, but it's rock hard. And need, got to, you need to hit the cracks than, It doesn't take dust a, up. It take a chisel out yeah, there? Well, I wouldn't dream of it. No, of course. But I would have been signed partly in those days to go bowl a lot more in the eastern states where it tended to turn a bit more. So they needed someone. Sydney. Sydney, Adelaide in those days. Yeah. But it was just great fun, yeah. uh, and I, I, you know, I got off to a good enough start, so I was well, you know, accepted into the team. And it's quite a challenge. I was still I was over thirty then, but you know, it's like you go to a new setup, and you, you, you know, you've got to prove yourself again. Uh, and um, I suppose I managed to do that because I had a good team to play into. Come on, and it would, they'd be four or five down, or you know, and you just had to keep it tight, and something would happen, sort of thing. Uh, but it, uh, but I looked back very fondly. Fondly,
0: yeah, and a and a Sheffield Shield winners', winners medal, absolutely marvelous. Um, going back to Somerset, towards the you know the, there was the Botham, Viv, and Joel scenario, which which probably. Made you very sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously it was quite an old ground at the time. But it, during your, well, you were chairman of the cricket committee, but during your tenure, mm-hmm. you've picked or got yourself a good squad. But also, you must be terribly proud of what I perceive as the best non playing test match county Yeah,
1: ground. Well, they've, th- th- yeah, I mean, it's not, they, 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 they Managed at Somerset through by hook or by crook, they had three very good chief executives in a row, which is almost unknown, I suppose. Um, whether I expect you remember Peter Anderson, yes, red face, um, but uh, you know, absolutely committed and underneath the bluster, quite a caring employer, actually, but a good and then. Richard Gould, who's now at the Oval Guy Lavender, who's now at Lord so they had three, so that helps a lot to create a stable foundation and I suppose the other area and Essex have this in common that by hook or by crook, it might increasingly be through a lot of the independent schools in the area, but not necessarily just through that, they've managed to uncover uh, a lot of local players, and Essex have done that and we are able to. We've been able to do that in recent times. So the the current Somerset side, seven eight, are either from Somerset or Devon, which counts. No, <laughs> um, definitely. definitely. whether well, it's the two Overtons, you know, with Tom Abel, the, the Bartlett who's just coming through, Jack Leach, don Bess, Lewis Gregory. They're all. Actual locals, and then if you can, and that's obviously the way to go if you can. And as I say, Essex has done that with great success, we've managed it. And if you can top that up with the sort of right overseas player, you're onto something. Hmm. If you get into a situation, it applied in the old days too. If you get into a situation where you've got enough good players so that you don't feel that everything depends on whether it's for us, Viv, or for you, it might have been, I don't know, Kenny McEwen was there. and you know, you're not so dependent on them that they can be the icing on the cake that goes on to win the match, but they don't have to do all the hard graft. Then you're in business. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I certainly
0: enjoy going to Taunton because yeah. it is a cracking yeah, ground. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, really, because you've probably seen about four or five p- different pavilions. Well, they've there. got
1: more pavilions there. I know, I know. We started. I've. Well, they started in the old one, which is where... Near the it, current one. Which is in the same site as the new current one. But that was quite a nice old old traditional pavilion with the cinema seats on the top level and pretty pokey. Did you ever... I don't expect you no. played in the old changing no. room. The away dressing room. Seen pictures. People used to say, you've got to go down there with a buzzery car because it was so <laughs> dark. <laughs> uh, and then they moved over to the sort of... where you would have changed in the Colin Atkinson pavilion... Yes. Uh, and there's, there's an Andy Caddick pavilion where the players now change and there's a new... You know, they've, they've built, but they've managed to... It's such a, a light challenge to get it. It's such a sort of intimate ground that it doesn't matter where you're sitting. You feel quite close to the action. You don't need to have 10,000 there to have an atmosphere. You can get it in a championship game. You get two or 3,000 there, which is not a bad crowd. No, it's, no it, you've got a buzz. Uh, and uh, it's right in the middle of the town too. And I've yeah. got... A, I, I have... It's reservations, all these out of out of town grounds, they don't work so well. And we we made a big decision quite a long time ago when there was the option to sell because we owned that ground to sell it and, for quite a lot of money and move out. And wisely, in hindsight, they said they decided against that and they kept it in the middle of the town. So that that helps Immensity. get people in there. Yeah, it does absolutely. <laughs>
0: With your memories, I think you've got a decent memory of a famous semi-final. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Between the great Somerset and the great Essex side some years ago. Well, it was,
1: yeah, absolutely. I think it was the best or sort of worst, (laughs) in a way. Worst. Well, best and worst. It was (laughs) 1978 and it was at Taunton. It's a semi-final and we've got the two teams, we said, who've never won anything. Uh, And we backed. Uh, Viv, of course, scores 100. <laughs> uh, weren't, there weren't
0: going to be many times he scores 100 and you lose.
1: No, but we nearly lost this one. Uh, I can remember that you know, it was 287, which in those days, a even lot. in 60-overs, uh, I think, uh, nowadays seems you know, fairly paltry, but 287 was a big score. Uh, and then the run chase, I think all the Essex batsmen kind of got in. Got out last. It gets to the last over, dear old Dredge. Remember Colin, Colin Dredge. Dredge? Yeah. He's got to bowl the last over, and uh, he does brilliantly. At, uh, Who's he, at the crease? Who's at the crease? Uh, I think it's Neil Smith and J.K. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe, or it was at the end. He may have got a wicket. He might have got someone out in that last over. It was going swimmingly. Then he bowled a no-ball <laughs> that went for four or something like that. So Suddenly. Upshot was they need Essex needed three to win the match, two to tie, and the tie helped. Would have us. been enough
0: for you? For you. Uh,
1: and in those days, you could have everyone on the boundary, so everyone was mm. on the boundary. J.K. I think was on strike. I remember it being it, and it was absolute jam packed It had been an epic sort of topsy turvy, swaying match. Great match to watch if you're not too committed. And uh, I was a deep member Everyone on the boundary. And I thought, well, where's anywhere, any tailender going to hit it? It's bound to be deep and wicked, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, it, dear old JK gave himself a bit of room and it went off square. Luckily, towards our captain, Brian Rose, but he flaffed around a bit. And they scrambled, and they, the third run, they were about, I think it was Neil Smith, probably, was no well, a yard short, perhaps. And that was it. And uh, what I do remember then, and we were, of course, Jupiter, a Ooh. massive crowd. A terrible game to lose, uh, but I always remember actually, you know, the Essex guys, Raymond, and the whole lot of the Fletch, Fletch, and Fletch McEwan, yeah, McEwen. I mean, great, great. Um, you know, they they came into our dressing room. They had some drinks, and we, you know, were great in defeat. Actually, um, so and we did sort of we had that mutual feeling of two non-big city grand counties desperate to to win something and as I say it all happened 79 but um, but that was an epic epic game Um, and thank goodness he didn't smack it aboard a deep mid wicket because who knows what um, of them
0: Vic sadly time has beaten us we could discuss so much more seriously we could go anywhere with cricket you've been an absolute delight you're a very popular man, a very popular cricketer, an academic, and Ooh. also a journalist. So I would like to say thank you for your endeavours over the years, but in particular thank you for spending time with us today. Wow,
1: well, good fun,